Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Helena World Podcast, featuring the best of news, sports, and culture in Helena and Phillips County. This is a special cross-platform edition of the Helena World Podcast. This week's cross-platform edition features the April 14th political forum with State Representative Reginald Murdoch, who is now running for state senator. State Representative Murdoch speaks with Andrew Bagley. Welcome to the next installment of the Helena World Debate Series sponsored by the Phillips County Farm Bureau, Hickory Hill Pharmacy, and the Rural Community Alliance and featuring the candidates in the contested primaries for offices within our coverage area. I am Andrew Bagley, the publisher of the Helena World and the moderator of these forums, which can be seen on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and uh, as special editions of our podcast which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Today, we are focusing on the Senate District 9 contest between State Representative Reginald Murdoch and Dorothy Dyson Cooper. Ms. Cooper was invited uh, to participate in these forums. Uh, She chose not to attend, and so we're going to have a conversation today with somebody who is a veteran of uh, state capital politics and legislation, and that is State Representative Murdoch with a decade of experience. And Mr. Murdoch, I'm going to just let you start off on what would have been an opening statement, but uh, now just the beginning, just uh, take a moment to talk to the voters. Uh, thank you, Mr. Bagley. And first of all, let me uh, say thank you to everyone that take the time to join in this process. Uh, and specifically, I want to uh, give kudos to the Hell of the World and its leadership for what you're doing to help inform the voters. I think this process that you're doing is something that has not happened, uh, and it's new as far as I've seen it happen to this level, and I appreciate it. We need it. It helps get the voters the information that they need to make an informed decision. So I do appreciate being here. Again, as you mentioned, I am currently state representative of District 48. This is I'm in my 12th year uh, whereby the people uh, in the 48th uh, district have uh, voted me to be their re- state representative. I am almost by that uh, that, um, that that task has been given me. I take it very seriously, uh, and it's very serious, the work that needs to be done for the Delta. Uh, I'm very f- familiar with uh, where I sit in Helena, Arkansas. It's the contiguous county to Lee County, which is where I live. I'm from Marietta, Arkansas, and... Uh, also, the other counties in this district is Crittenden, um, Park St. Francis, and um, again, uh, where I sit here in Phillips. So again, it's, it's a great opportunity to be here, to have served for 12 years. Uh, uh, my wife, Willie uh, Murdoch, and I have one child. She's the superintendent of schools in the Lee County School District. Uh, and my daughter, Arielle, 
who lives in North Little Rock and who works for the VA um, there in North Little Rock. So, again, it's been a pleasure serving for 12 years. There's a lot that we've had a chance to do. Uh, I won't start talking about all of that. I'm going to let Mr. Batty ask me some questions. But, again, so glad for the forum. Thankful, thankful, thankful to Hell in the World for having this. And hopefully, uh, after we're through talking, you'll know a little bit more about uh, Reginald Murdoch. Well, Mr. Murdoch, you mentioned that there's been so much that's been done. And uh, so let's just get, go right into that. If you could pick one piece of legislation that you have been the primary sponsor for and passed during your career, which one are you most proud of? Well, it's amazing. Uh, I, knew, I knew Mr. Baggins would ask me that question. I mean, when you've been there 12 years, that's a question that comes to me from time to time now when I sit on panels or I'm interviewed in different media uh, outlets. And I, I, it's not one, Mr. Baggins, I have to share it uh, between more than one because probably the one that's been the most impactful has been Act 1240, which is known as the waiver bill. Act 1240 was a bill that many educators and, and school board members and superintendents will be aware of that I championed about three terms ago, about six years ago now. And it was a fight because there were some things about the waiver bill that basically what that bill does, let me tell you that, it gives public schools the same rights that charter schools have in terms of flexibilities. It gives those same rights to public schools to kind of level the playing field. There were some fears there by the traditional public schools that some of our good superintendents might take that bill and, and, and not be as... Well, specifically, it's <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, yes. So the Federal Act, is, Act is, is a waiver in that the char charter schools have that, where, that whereby they don't have to exercise the same um, process that public schools have. And what I pushed and what has been proven is that they were not going to do that in an egregious manner and that we were going to look at the good of that bill, the flexibilities, and what it would allow you to do with your specific community, your school district, and you and you could uh, a, you kind of align your goals and your waivers with your situation. I, I cannot tell you, Mr. Bagley, the number of phone calls, um, emails, plaques, certificates that I have received from school districts throughout this state, superintendent, school board members, thanking me for the last six years for this bill. It has been the single most utilized piece of legislation in the legislature. If you look at Act 1240, every time there's a state board, state board of education meeting, it's there. And so that's been the most impactful. Personally, probably the most uh, one that means the most to me is the very first piece that I did and it was a sickle cell anemia bill. My niece, Tiffany, is a sickle cell uh, patient. And at that time, when I came to the legislature in 2011, the state of Arkansas did not have an adult care center for sickle cell patients. And I mm -hmm. thought that was amazing that we did not have that. And I championed legislation that now we have that through UAMS. And um, that was very, very important to me. It don't. There's not a lot of people in Arkansas uh, that suffer from sickle cell. It is a particular population and ethnicity to, for a lot of that, but it was very meaningful to me because of who it was and us that um, have been have benefited from it. So uh, there's many now that I that I hope and pray have made uh, uh, have, that that legislation have helped them in their life and their battle with that tough, tough disease. So that's another one that's been very important. And the last one that I'll mention, and there's been so many, but the last one I'll mention now is 
the uh, Affordable Care Act. Um, that was very, very, very interesting. That's been the most interesting piece of legislation because that was at the end of Governor Beebe's tenure, and that's when the legislature had flipped to 52-48 in the House in terms of the leadership. And that, if you remember back then, the, the, the big fight from the other side was they were not, they were, they were not going to expand Med Medicaid. So we had to craft a way, and we had some Republican colleagues that I must give credit to who, who helped to lead that charge, who really was on the face of that charge, and we, Governor Beebe and myself, stood in the background because we knew we couldn't carry it without them. But what it did was it, it has impacted today over 400,000 plus are Kansans so that they can have health care coverage. The working poor, the, the, those, so you don't have to make a decision between your prescription, going to the doctor, and paying your life bill. That's been so impactful. And that's on what we commonly call the private option. The pri it's been called the private option. It's been called uh, Obamacare. It's called, uh, uh, now I think it's called Arkansas Home. And, and you mentioned the Republicans. I yeah. believe one of the Republican architects ended up not running again. Uh, my, my my college friend, David Sanders, oh, was, was a wonderful, wonderful champion for that. He did not run again. Another one, John Burr, who was, was an architect, he lost his seat because of that, I believe. Yeah, I truly believe that. But what, what he did, he put, put principle in front of party, and he made, a, in my opinion, uh, and I'm forever grateful for his leadership and how he defended what he did in that matter, and what it, we've seen what it's done for our Kansas and health care. Now, you mentioned the transition from Democratic to Republican leadership that, that has happened during the course of, of your legislative career, yet you've been able to get impactful legislation passed, and, and of course Act 1240 is the most recent piece. Mm -hmm. Um, how are you able to do that? Uh, because we're in a hyper-partisan environment where it seems like both sides are at each other's throats, but you've been able to get things done. Tell us how, how you manage that. It's a great question. Andrew and Mary Murdoch, my parents, taught me to be respectful to people. If you have civility and respect, even if you have differences, there is a way that the Scripture, my parents' teaching, have told me to conduct myself. Uh, you know, me and you have some talks about this sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But anyway, anyway, let me get back on course here. But those things have been very, very important. Those guides, those guidelines that I live by, and as respect, it's being honest with people, straightforward with them when you disagree, and saying in a manner, defending what you feel and appealing to them for the civility of the moment and making sure that they understand the shoes that you sit in, the people that you're representing, and try to get them sensitized to that without without making them feel bad about their own convictions. And I've had that opportunity, and I've seen, I've had the opportunity, it's really been a, it's a book to write, to serve John Walker, uh, the Linda Chesterfields, the Joyce Elliott's of the world, the, you know, the gamut of, of, of those that fought, uh, you know, John Walker, the stories, just to sit there and listen to him talk about the things he'd been through, the road that he tried to get to the uh, state house, and then to see him in that assembly and to see how he fought uh, for things, but to a large degree, 
was not able to really legislatively get things over the line. But that was because of, he came hard, told the truth, but sometime in the legislative uh, world, you have to be here both sides. You have to be very civil, very civil with people. And although you can be articulate, you can be right. But when you're not in power, and you need those that are in power to hear you so that you can help your people and bring this bacon home to the Delta, there's a way you have to be able to do it. And I don't care how much you know, how much you've been through. And what I've been able to do is out of respect and mutual respect, listening to people and just trying to treat people as, as I would want to be treated, it so far has worked. It hasn't been easy all the time. There are some stories. I got some back in stories, too. But they just had not one public like yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel you on that. And now let's move to looking forward. Uh, what do you think is going to be the most important issue that needs to be dealt with in terms of positively impacting uh, the, the Senate district, which runs basically from West Memphis uh, down to, to Snow Lake? Absolutely. It, it's, a, it's a big district. It's a lot of issues. But, but there are some familiar things that I've already been doing. I, I just built on uh, Mr. Bagger what I've, all, I've already been doing, and that's continuing to demand from Little Rock from the legislatures, from the, what we call the second floor, which is the, which is the governor's office, and all of his uh, agencies that he oversee, demanding that we get what we deserve and need. There's not a... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's not a state agency leader that don't know me and I don't know them. And we don't have a relationship uh, that I can't text on my phone today. And I can make them hear what your call is from the Delta. Now, there's part of this that still requires us to do what we're supposed to do. So what you're going to get from Murdoch uh, as your your senator, though he's not had Murdoch as they represent him, you're you're going to get this guy that's going to charge us to be better Mm -hmm. with one another. There's issues with, with people loving one another that Far outweighs the problems that we face. If we ever figure out a way to get along, get along in some of these communities, Mr. Bagley, we'll be able to conquer some of the enemies and the and the fights and the challenges that we have. But sometimes we be busy fighting one another, and we can't even deal with the enemy. So, Senator, we'll face that head that head on in Phillips County, Critton County, continuing Lee County, continuing St. Francis County. 
And we're, and we're going to try to make it better. I've been blessed to be in the legislature this long. And I've been blessed in many ways in my life and my wife and what we've done. After 10 years, you, you're fully vested in this thing. I'm, I'm 12 years in now. So I've been around long enough. And I know, I know the only reason I'm doing this now is for the people. And I think I can help them. And I think I will. I think they'll listen to this experience, to what I can bring to this chair. Senator Ingram did a wonderful job. I had no idea he was not going to continue. When he stepped down, I stepped up, if you will. So I'm ready. I think the district will continue to, to thrive from what it is, from, from the things that I'll bring from the representative seat over to the Senate seat. You mentioned that sometimes our difficulties are, are of our own making and that you have spent uh, a lot of your political career in Lee County trying to challenge people to get better and overcome those issues. Clearly, Helena would be the quintessential example of difficulties with divergent groups being able to compromise and get along. How have you been able to be successful to the north of us, and, and how do you get us there? where we can get some things done. Well, let me let me be honest. In, in, you know, my report card, as it relates to that, I'm not sitting here telling you that I that it's a finished product. We still suffer uh, to the north of you as we continue that fight. It's just that the charge does not stop, but the fight continues. We're not there. We still have problems uh, inside of our communities whereby we're, we, we're fighting each other too much, and we need to be figuring out a way together to come into the, the war room together to go out and fight these challenges that we face. So I don't have the answer to that. I have the components to it. Civility, respect, treating one another as you would want to be treated. I have the guidelines, but now, and all I can do is implore us to continue to follow them. And I'm going to do that. So, but it certainly it's not over. I'm not saying I fixed. I'm not saying that it's been fixed. But you have to have someone, in my opinion, in the seat as a leader that is not afraid to look one in the face and say, hey, we have to do better. And that's what you'll have. Because that's the only way we can start chopping down that tree. And that tree has grown to be pretty thick now with lots of uh, branches. Lots of branches and lots of layers of bark. <laughs> um, looking at some specific state issues. Okay. Um, I, I recently had a conversation, and I asked this of the Republican House candidates the other day, who is working full-time, mm -hmm. she's a single parent, um, and, and, and she has done all the things we ask people to do in terms of trying to better herself. Mm -hmm. She gets a raise, she loses her benefits, and it ends up taking her backward. And with inflation... And high gas prices and, and all those things eating into the income of, of the working poor. We're, you know, we're not talking about people that aren't working at all. Do you think it's time that we raised income limits on programs like temporary assistance for needy families uh, to reflect that inflation and, and to give some relief to, to these people who are working hard trying to make ends meet? Absolutely. That's, that, that's a great question. And, that's, and yeah, I think we do need to raise those only because of the what... What the living wage now has become, that we have a functional, livable life. Those dollars that used to be 
where we could do the things that an average family should want to do by making a certain dollar, those numbers have raised. You know, those, those, because of inflation, we need to make more. We need to uh, uh, minimum wage need to continue to increase, and those requirements where you still can get benefits need to increase. Mm-hmm. Because if if everything goes like this, like this, then your benefit is minimized. Right. Okay. So what we haven't done is we look at the benefit line and we say it that stays there. But everything else now is called up to it. So now all of a sudden it's a cliff. And when I hit that, I just fall off. And now I go back to where I was. So we have to do, the legislature has to do a better job first of assessing that, understanding that, and, and, and being able to articulate that. And that's what uh, experience, you know, and being able to collaborate with an Andrew Bagley and other local leaders, mayors, city councilmen, uh, county judges, JPs, you go get what I do, and I sit with them, them, and I hear this, and we go and we formulate plans to take back to the legislature, back to the executive branch to say, hey, here's some things we need to consider and why. And it's not just that people that are getting those benefits are wanting more benefits. Here's what inflation has done. Mm-hmm. So we make it a relative argument, a very relative argument. All right. Uh, another question. That, that relates to that is because we haven't heard a lot out of Little Rock right. about these bread and butter questions that affect people's day-to-day lives. Um, do you th- but we've heard a lot about social questions, national questions, and, and all those sorts of things. As a Democrat, how will you approach trying to get the Republican caucus to focus less on which bathroom we use and what, and making sure that the toilet's flush. I mean, that is a challenge that is, you know, it really starts at the national level where in the, with the Republican Party, as you see it, and though they fight among themselves about that, and I listen to the, to the Republican um, primary um, contestants uh, on, on your telecast the other night, and I listen to them acknowledge that it's too much time being spent in those things that are somewhat insignificant when we look at the quality of life of people. And we're just talking about people having good water, broadband access, uh, access to good health care, fair teacher pay, uh, making sure facilities are, are equitable and, and, and that our kids are getting a good education all across the state. Those are the things that you're ta- talking about that really matter And then, instead of focusing on necessarily uh, the bathroom situation and other issues that they have some relevance, but not at the level we spend time on. And to be honest with you, the harsh reality to that is right now we're in a Republican-led state, and they're pushed by a national agenda. And their leadership, uh, you know, with Governor Hutchison, to be honest with you, Governor Hutchison, uh, who I appreciated, was more of a moderate, and that obviously was not popular with all of the Republican Party. And I didn't think we'd ever live to see the day that a graduate of Bob Jones University would be described as a moderate. Right. Yes, yes, yes. But, yes, but he, he, and he done some things for just on the basis of those, those, those canons that I talked to you about earlier that just made sense. Now, he is a conservative, he is a Republican, and don't, he has some of those things, but I think pragmatically he done many things that made sense uh, as governor and helped us in a lot of ways. I know personally every time that I went to him for a program uh, a summer youth institute program to bring about workforce development for youth in the Delta, et cetera. Anytime when we're dealing with the COVID situation, I need him to come personally to the Delta to deal with uh, regional issues. 
I never had issues, and he always was there. And I'm one that was standing, regardless of the party, mm -hmm. I look at my people, and I want my people taken care of, and he did that. So, But what we have to continue to have in this next leadership um, that's coming forth, that same type of uh, opportunity to hear us and then take care of the needs of our people. And I'm already starting down that road, to be honest with you, right. with the next uh and, 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 and you mentioned taking care of the people's needs. And we know that there is likely going to be a special session um, that will focus on cutting taxes once again. Um, even though you rattled off a list of things that needed to be dealt with, broadband access, uh, rural water and sewer systems yes, sir. Uh, are, are in a crunch. Um, we've got underfunded higher education that has resulted in tuition increases right. uh, that, that go on the backs uh, of those trying to better themselves. So is it time to slow down and put the brakes on the tax cut train and, and, and use these surpluses for these needs? Oh, well, now, you, you remember who you're talking to. You, you, you $400 million late for me on that. Right. It's been time. You know, there's no way that you can say surplus and you can say that we have money with all these outstanding needs, Mr. Mr. Bagley. Right. How can I walk, ride on the highway in such condition as the one you just got off of and I just came off of and, and, and then tell about surplus and, and then go cut taxes? Cutting taxes, ladies and gentlemen, as you, I, I'm sure you know, means taking money out of your pocket. You, you make a check every week. week. Every two weeks or however you're paid, you come home and you... Make if you make a thousand dollars, in if if all of a sudden there's a decision that you're going to going to cut from your from your dollars, so that the thousand dollars that comes to the house becomes six hundred dollars or becomes seven hundred dollars versus thousand. Three hundred dollars gone. That's real dollars. Right. But you still have to take care of the family, the children. You got to buy clothes. You got to pay for gas, utilities, food. Everything is still included. And what I'm I'm saying is, I love part of the work that's been done. But some of the, but some of it is overkill, and, and, and the tax break may help my family personally. But it's not about me. It's not about an individual. We are here for the people, and what we have to make sure of, and this is what I'm concerned about, is that as we cut taxes, what are we doing to the to that tanner line you mentioned a minute ago? Is it staying the same? Are we raising it? Okay. Right. But when we cut taxes, are we raising it? What are we doing to balance it? And if you're, if you're just taking away from the poor, helping the rich, those that don't even need it, then what are we really doing here? So I think we have to be very careful about that. I am adamantly against it. The concept of cutting taxes for the rich and the trickle-down economic theory that they're going to take care of the poor is totally not true. Who they take care of is their people. They immediate group. Their family becomes nice and for many years and their legacy but what I want to see is show me where that's one took taking care of a poor community and have really driven up the community. Let's come to the devil and see. How, how has that happened? And, and, and you mentioned Ronald Reagan's uh, you know, famous philosophy. Yeah, yeah. And you know one of the things that Reagan said was the best social program is a job. <laughs> so that's right. with that, that in mind, how do we get the high-quality jobs to this region where people won't need as many social programs, just like they're seeing in northwest Arkansas, in Jonesboro, and the surrounding areas, and in Pulaski County? Great question. I have the answer. 
And this is what I've told those in charge in government. If you will take and invest what you call the plus dollars in the infrastructure, in the health care, in the school system, and all up the community, and you build up the... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Communities in the Delta, industry will want to come because we have a thriving industry down here. This is great farmland. We have a lot of things that we can be uh, that, 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 that is economically good for a bit for the business sector. But we have other things that's holding us back. And so if, if they take and invest some of these, that 40 million, well, it's actually over 500 million, but we'll just say 400 of it. And they, they had invested in the Delta. So that means doing what? And when I said, look across to my colleague, that means doing more for somebody, and they call it socialism, doing, doing more for somebody than they've done for themselves. So, but probably if you investigated it, there's things that was not done properly many years ago that, that set up where we are today. So instead of going back and rehashing that, that, now that God has blessed us with much, let's go get those that have few. Few. That's the process. That's civility. Mm-hmm. That's sensitivity. And what I, what I would do, and what I have done in the past, when I deal with some of my colleagues, I bring them to the Delta. I say, come look. We have people that are working hard, that are trying to make it. We just don't have the facilities. We don't have the the, the, the access. We don't have the broadband. The, we don't have the health care. We don't, don't have hospitals. We don't, we don't have the things that these other high economically uh, and high tax-based communities have. So, yes, yes, all the best in us. Try that and see if then... We can stand up like you step, and then all Arkansas can be great. And, and and there are so many questions that that could come out of that. You mentioned broadband. Um, we are tight delayed with this because <laughs> all I, well, I, we tried to go try to go live. AT and T is our internet service provider, so if their executives are listening, uh, I hope they do something about this. But uh, and and the upload speeds simply weren't good enough to go live. And they have fiber at an affordable price in all of the major city centers, but they won't bring it here. And they charge an astronomical amount to get a fiber optic line. So what's that about? You know what that's about. Right. That, that's about nothing but the economies of scale. And until somebody, and it's easy to look brother, and look at what little brothers, brothers' deficiencies are, those that are without, and look at their deficiencies. What I'm a proponent of in my family, in my structure, my church life, it is that we reach out and we grab one, one, and we help one come up. But we don't have them come up with our requirements. We don't have them, have them come up with our demands that they be stable, that they be uh, uh, vigilant, vigilant in their duties, in their work. 
I'm not saying just give something. I'm saying assist us. Truly assist right. us. And don't stop using, using the devil and some of our data to get you a nice grant. And then all the money go to the administrative fees and inside of that grant and very little go to the, the, to the program itself. Oh, I'm aware of those as well. I've learned from those as well. So there's something, some things that can be done. I'm, I'm going to continue to fight that they do be done and that they happen for us. But as you can see, that's my passion is my people. And I will do my very, very best to continue this fight. Um, and, it, it's, and it's not going to stop even after, because I can just, I have four more years. The quarter term limits, I, 16 years is your terms of service. I have four years that I can give in this such office. And I'm going to do my very best for those next four years and beyond to try to help the communities here in the Delta because it matters to me, you matter, you all matter to me, and I think it just makes Arkansas better when we're better. Right. Uh, and, and you mentioned education as a component of that. Mm -hmm. Of course, that, that's something that, that uh, you know, is near and dear to a lot of our hearts. Um, but I've got a tough question. In the past 18 years, the Helena West Helena School District has had 12 superintendents, and over the last couple of weeks, they can't decide if they want to go looking for the 13th. Meanwhile, 8 out of 10 of the students in the district are not reading at grade level. The only periods of relative stability during that time frame have been when the state was in control. Is it time for a third state takeover? And is it time for new legislation to either lengthen the time allowed for state control or remake what local control looks like when it comes? So I won't speak specifically to exactly what's going on in Helena, what's Helena School District, because I would be remiss to do that, Mr. Bagley, in a micro fashion without me knowing more than what I know. I see what I see, even hear what I hear. But until I did a deep, deep dive into the Helena West Helena situation, I would not offer an opinion on that. I will say this, that from the outside looking in, there are some things that I've mentioned to you already that I think affects, irregardless of who's the superintendent, who's the school board members, and whether the state department takes over or not. I think that all of us, including Helena, Helena West Helena community, school community, leadership, county, Phillips County, have to come together and become more civil with one another. I just say it's like it is. There's way much fighting and foolishness, and foolishness going on. And that's my problem. And I ain't, that's, not that I'm, I, that's, not, that's not an opinion of mine. It's well it's documented. What I see is documented and it's, and it's in various areas. And absolutely, I care about that and that's what I can speak to is what I see. I don't know that who shot John and why they shot John, but I do know that there is a process of a way that we should address concerns, that we should um, deal with anyone that has not acted properly. We have a system for that. That system will work. But everybody's talking about pretty much a grown people, and they affect our children. And somehow, individuals' hearts are going to have to be pricked and pierced that it means more to them for that child to have a proper chance than it is for me to get back at someone to um, win a situation that 
I just need to win personally. And I think that that's a challenge, uh, Mr. Badley, quite honestly. They really need to be brought to this community and dealt with. And, I, and it won't be popular, but it'll be something that's true that needs to happen. Because how can we, it's kind of like giving a situation a lot of money, and but people are not uh, spending wisely. They're not going by the different economic factors that should be go by before they spend the dollar. Same thing here. How will we ever get where we need to get with some of the things I read in your paper? How will it happen? Right. We yeah. have to get there. Um, and, and, and piggybacking on that, of course, you know, you can't be, uh, comment on the issues of leadership and all of that specifically. But one thing that, that was apparent to me in my former life uh, down in education was and some of this is leadership and management but some of it is, is not we've got a situation now where Fayetteville School District has announced that they are going to have a starting salary of $50,000 Helen was telling to pay $36,800 and I think Lee County starting salary is less than that uh, I, I, I didn't check before I came in here how do we close that gap given the current funding formula. It goes back to what I said earlier, is that funding formula does not fit for what our needs are. You have to go and overfund, if you will, uh, in an area where there is a deficiency. Our tax base is not going to allow for what Fayetteville can do. We're not, we can't stand up to that. We don't have, it's not apples with apples. So when we go every biennium um, and we have our sessions on coming up with what we're going to do to education from a dollar and cent standpoint, it's ludicrous what we do as a legislature. I'm talking about us now. Mm -hmm. And we come out and we don't take care of the needs that we see are there. What we need to do, and, and, and last year the governor gave some dollar amount to us to try to supplement where we are. That's good. A supplement is decent. But until we come to the Delta in districts like this and we truly fund it, at the level that will allow them to compete for the quality people that was are before our students. You got quality principals, quality, and I'm not and I'm not talking about the ones that we have, but they need help. They need help, and we need to go further and further and showing them the appreciation for the ones that are here that are making the thirty-seven and the thirty or whatever those numbers are. And let's go and put more money into the into this fair teacher. Pay is a big, big problem that we have, and we're not going to fix it because you're not going to get that quality for free. Right. And I, but, but let me give credit to the te to the teachers, administrators that have stayed in the Delta and wor working in these conditions in these communities for less pay than your, your your colleagues are getting in other places with better facilities, better situations, and and you stayed here and worked. And I thank you so much. You are the true champions in our community for staying here, helping us, helping our children. I, I am a product of this, of many of those that I'm talking about now. And so please understand, it needs to get better for you. And, and once you retire, hopefully, those that come behind you, that it'll, it'll, it'll help them. And, and yesterday, I sent you a picture that I had been sent from Mariana. And Highway 79. Looked like a raging waterway, almost like you know the the the, the runoff from Niagara Falls. Uh, do you think, for one minute, 
that if that were happening in Little Rock or Fayetteville or Jonesboro, that there wouldn't be some significant dollars sent down to fix that. I absolutely agree that it's been ignored for way too long. Let, let, let me make an announcement. I can make an announcement. And this is something that's in the works, and we're, we're in what we call the red zone on the football field. We all across the finish line with a project there with USDA, as it is dealing with flooding in all of our, in about 19 communities, including Phillips County, Lee County, St. Francis County. It is some serious flooding issues, and there is a program to mitigate some of that that's on, again, it's in the red zone. We're almost going about the 20-yard line and getting something done for that. I have been a part of putting together a team, and we're very close on that particular issue to be able to help mitigate that. So the answer is yes. We don't have the numbers. There's a reason why AT&T hadn't taken the broadband fight or Verizon. I talked to the leaders of both of those entities. It's because they don't have. There's not enough people down here. There's not enough dollars, pure dollars down here. So with the change in the presidency with President Biden, there is a USDA program that uh, we're trying to uh, get uh, instituted here that will help mitigate some of these specific water issues, watershed flooding issues, and hopefully, preferably, that that's fixing to happen real soon. And you're going to hear a mighty announcement pretty soon. Well, I look forward to being able to put good news on the front page. Yes, sir. Uh, for a change. And, uh, this one's kind of a, a hell in a specific question, but, but it's not. Uh, crime and police are a huge concern uh, in Helena, but it, it, it also has been a conversation at the state and national level as well. What can the state government do to make our communities safer for families to live, work, and play? I, I, I don't know that that's a state government issue. I'm, I'm going to bring that down to local. Uh, local. I think locally, uh, community policing, I think, is a part of this. Uh, we can't allow in our communities, in our neighborhoods, for things to go on wrong. And when it's my cousin, nephew, or church member, I make it all right. So at some point, we have to have a standard of accountability for everybody. And that goes across the board from crime to education to health care. So accountability and standards will raise our level of everything, Mr. Bagley. And so as it relates to that, it's not a state issue. It's a, it's a local issue. When Now, let's make sure that we, and we've done that with the state of Arkansas, we've given $5,000 to every um, certified officer, and we championed for that. And that's, again, one of those things that Governor Hutchins has done that a lot of people weren't happy that he did. But that makes sense mm -hmm. to do that. And But continue on that level. But going back to specifically what you said, I think making good decisions when we interview the, the, from the police commission, uh, when they interview officers, we choose the right people to be a part of the of, of the forces. All the things will lead lead to because really policing is a community thing. It's a community, way more community than we see. It shouldn't be us against them. It shouldn't be uh, uh, you know the, the the whatever they call the police, some of the negative names, and and vice versa. It should be more. Civility. So you, you realize a lot of my answers, if they're not purely economical, they come back to some of these same different things that I say the answer lies in. And that's what life is. That's what relationships are. And I think when we make all of that better, then we can better deal with crime, 
healthcare, uh, trash on, on the streets, uh, whatever the case may be, when we get to a point that we can talk to one another, we can approach one another civilly and rationally. It's just, it's just, we're not going to get anywhere without it. And, and that leads me to another question where it appears, uh, to quote a line from one of my, my favorite movies, we have a failure to communicate. <laughs> um, and that, that's been COVID and how to deal with COVID. Um, we've got all kinds of research that shows that vaccinations reduce, reduce the likelihood of contracting uh, the virus. And if you get a breakthrough case, it reduces the risk of hospitalization and death. And, you know, current law requires a plethora of vaccines to do things like enroll in school, and some vaccines were required to enroll uh, in college. Is it time to start requiring the vaccine to get us over the hump, to make us less susceptible to the variants, or are we striking the right, in the right balance? Well, I, and that's a science question, and I think we should. The only thing we can rely upon, and trust me, I've been through this uh, from a legislative standpoint, a personal standpoint, as it relates to COVID, and how individually I, we should deal with it, and, and, and from a state governance standpoint. And that's a tough question, uh, Mr. Backley, because as a legislator, I'm an engineer. Um, there, are, I'm not a doctor, so I, I get to rely upon something to push the button when it comes to legislation centered around COVID. Because we have made decisions on whether you can, you can do this or that. And I'm, again, I'm just an engineer. I'm not a scientist. So I rely upon science. And so from a public health standpoint, safety, government has some responsibility in protecting you in various public forms. That's government's, government's role. Then there's the personal side of it, where you have your own choice on whether you partake in certain things, whether it be healthy or not, that's your choice. So the the tough part of this is where those two come together. Obviously, if it's just Andrew Bagley's choice, he make a choice for him and his family, they make that choice. I, I've, I've had both shots. I'm busy. <laughs> uh, right, right. If I were 50 doubles. Right, right. And myself. Right, and myself as well. But the question you ask, and the rub come with so, you know, everything becomes political. I tell people all the time, a lot of good ideas that I've seen come through uh, the state capitol and a lot of great, great things that could have happened to help people, it get messed up with politics. We mess some stuff up with politics. And that's what has happened with COVID. And truly what should have happened with COVID, it turned into a political thing, and now you get Republicans versus Democrats, you know, and, and that become how you make your decisions and your choices versus even health okay. Think about this. You don't know the number of people that I know have died because they refuse, refuse for political reasons. And some have almost died. I know those that, those that have died and those that have almost died to not take the what was recommended because of political reasons. The left said this or the right said this. And they go to the grave. It is not a particular, it's not just white people, not just black. It's everybody that I've seen with these, with these theories that's not based on anything but some innuendo. So, I didn't give you that answer, but I let you know that I understand the challenge. And at some point, individuals are going to have to come to their own solution on what they want to do 
in their life and their decision. Government itself needs to pay attention to the science. And I think we've done that in Arkansas. I think we've proven it uh, in, in, in the way that the governor has led us through this. Uh, everything is not perfect, but I, I really I really give him credit for what he did. And I appreciate the opportunity for the vaccines and everything that we've had because I don't I was one of the first ones that I said I'm aware of that they get that COVID and uh, it, everything has worked out. One one last health care question and we're getting close to the end of our time. Yeah, but rural hospitals. Rural health care. You know, we have a hospital in Helena, we've got one in Forest City, there's one in West Memphis, there's no longer one in Lee County, there's not one in Monroe County. Um, and all of our rural hospitals seem to constantly be on the brink. And if we were to lose any of those hospitals, you get a big gap in care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and health hospitals saved my life. And so I, I have a personal uh, reason for, for being interested in this. How can we, through government, provide um, additional support to rural hospitals to make sure that just because people live outside of Little Rock or Northwest Arkansas or the Jonesboro metropolitan area, that they can get good care. The same things that I continue to say, the, the, my, my, my platform and my statements don't change. It's people caring about people. There are real people, though, maybe not 10,000, and there's only 1,000 instead of 1,000 real people with 1,000 real hearts beat. And we have to make sure we do the same thing for the minimum that we do for the max. And that's give them the care that's necessary. It's amazing you mentioned as I was on a call this morning uh, dealing with the 340B coverage, uh, prescription coverage, that some of you all may or may not be aware of that's in danger now of being uh, basically eradicated and causing your local pharmacies and uh, hospitals problem and making sure you get your prescriptions at an affordable rate. Okay, this morning, at 8 o'clock this morning, I'm on a conference call because that's in danger. So what we have to continue to do is go to bat, fight for the rights of all of us as it relates to health care specifically, though those smaller areas, areas in rural parts of the state where there's not as many numbers, which means it don't translate to as many dollars, but therefore, as government, we, we have to make sure we are the government by the consent of the government, which are the people. And we have to continue to do what we're supposed to do for the people with our dollars. We can't just make business decisions with government dollars as AT&T or Verizon might make with their fire. we got to make a different decision with our dollars as it relates to the people that we care for, taxpayers in the state of Arkansas. And that's the difference. How do we continue to demand that we do the right thing for everyone, every breathing individual in this state? And you and I could probably talk for an additional hour. I'm going to end with one kind of lighthearted question, and then I'm going to you, you can give some closing remarks uh, since we're we're out of time. Okay. Um, and that lighthearted question is this: You mentioned that that uh, Miss Murdoch is the superintendent of Lee County School District. Is she going to be able to solve the athletic problem and get a football team restarted and and and, and games? Uh, Reinstituted and, and have some Friday night lights. Absolutely, she's that, that process has been started. Uh, coach Delamar Fraction, she hired a coach uh, last year, and they they did some um, 
some some things pre, uh, getting ready for the buildup for for this year. I know they're getting ready for some spring work. I talked to the coach yesterday, so the, uh, absolutely I do see that that's in place, and I'm I'm excited. I'm waiting, uh, just like you, for that. Uh, Basketball, obviously, I want you to mention that we are on top of the top of the world. There, we got a great coach. We got a we got a great team. Y'all have y'all have throws out of the And football, and football, are going to do a great job. Do a great job of uh, of bringing that back with all the local community help that we have. There, we're going to get behind that effort, and we're going to be back. Uh, Whooping on the cool. I mean, <clears throat> back playing football. Well, it is. You know, because the enrolled trends, uh, you, play my, you play my alma mater. Uh, more often you play, you're playing the Cougars. You, you know, you're, in, you, you're about the same size as Bart uh, yes, now. Yes. So, But anyway, well, thank you for coming and taking up this, up this hour with us to discuss very important issues. Uh, and it takes a lot of courage to stick your neck out. Um, I've always kind of, kind of argued that the only term limits we should have are at the ballot boxes, and and, and I think I your twelve years and and what you've been able to get done kind of makes my argument for me. But uh, make a few uh, closing remarks, and we'll wrap this up. Well, again, thank you for having this forum. I appreciate you all that have stayed to listen, uh, Mr. Bagley, uh, <laughs> have this conversation. Uh, it's it's been a interesting conversation. He and I do talk a lot, but, but things that matter. Uh, and it's always about things that matter in our community. Uh, I want you to know uh, if, if you continue to allow me to serve you in the capacity as your senator, uh, I will continue to, to have the passion that you've seen here today. And that passion will be people first and putting things first for those that many times have been overlooked and underfunded in so, so many ways. And funding don't just mean dollars, but I just mean under appreciated in a lot of ways and it matters to me that the Delta is recognized and given the proper uh, attention that it needs in various areas. Now with that I will be honest with you as you already heard that comes with a challenge. That's an accountability, stability, civility that we get along and that we treat each one another as we should. Reginald Murdoch would not be happy and would not be a part of any uh, coming together that does not bring about those components that I just mentioned. We have to love and care for one another first because as 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, it does not matter how smart you are, where you live, how much money you have. If you don't have charity, which is love, you have nothing. You have nothing. And I will do that for you. I'm not, there's nothing in Little Rock that you should be scared of. I promise you. I get Little Rock. You just, just choose me and have those components with you that I just talked about. And we together will make things better. God bless you, and thank you. Thank you, Mr. Murdoch. Thank you, all the viewers uh, in the in the online audience. And we want to thank Hickory Hill Pharmacy, the Rural Community Alliance, and the Phillips County Farm Bureau for their support that are making this series of debates possible. Our next debate will be, start on the local offices. This concludes uh, the first three, which are focusing on our state legislative offices. We'll be back uh, for another installment. This original podcast is copyright 2022 by the Helena World, LLC, and Rick Kennedy. Opinions expressed on this program are those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect those of the Helena World or its management. No part of this podcast shall be reproduced without the express written consent of the publishers.